Hello, everyone. I'm Stephen White, Managing Partner of Onyx Partners Group, and you're listening to our podcast, Business Valuation Real Talk. You know, in the world of business, the idea of understanding the value of a company is really crucial. Whether you're looking to attract investors, sell your business, make strategic decisions, creditors understanding the value of your company for bankruptcy, Chapter 11 purposes, family offices, where you're reviewing the value of the portfolios, companies in your portfolios, or or even for an exit strategy or ESOPs. Whenever you're looking at your company, and you're trying to understand the value of it, there is a word or rather a valuation term that is often used and thrown around quite frequently in determining the value of a business. And that term is multiple. Knowing how to use valuation multiples, in fact, it can be a game changer. But you see, in our field, we get a kick out of how that term is uh, multiples is thrown around by others outside of our industry. In fact, here's one that makes me smile. And those that are in the valuation industry, They've heard this before. Private companies sell between 2x and 10x EBITDA with the majority of the transactions in 4x to 6x range. And you begin to sit there and say, what universe? Because the company I'm working on right now, there is no way that their EBITDA uh, multiple is that. Because they're looking at it of all companies. They're being very general, which brings me to today's episode. When it comes to multiples, two plus two doesn't always equal four. You see, valuation multiples provide a simple yet effective way to assess the worth of a business. And this is done by comparing it to similar companies within your overall market. But using valuation multiples is not just about plugging in the numbers and getting a result. It requires things like strategic approach that considers various factors and leverages them to maximize that overall value of your business. In fact, multiples, if we take a step back, multiples can be a useful tool for valuation because we use them. I think every valuation firm out there uses some form of multiples, but in some situations, they can wind up missing or even distorting the real picture. Now, not for today, but coming soon, we'll, we will have an episode where we'll explore the art of using valuation multiples and how a business owner or a board can use them to strategically drive growth, make informed decisions, and ultimately achieve their financial goals. But for this episode, let's talk about some of the pitfalls that happen when the term multiple is tossed around. So as a point of reference, I think it's important for us to understand that one of the, the com- commonly used methods for a company valuation is through the application of multiples. As I shared, we use multiples all the time. Multiples are a ratio that compare a company's financial metrics, such as earnings or revenue, to its enterprise or its market value. Now, multiples are a cornerstone, if you would say, of the financial analysis, and, and they're often used in, in M&A, or mergers and acquisitions, I should say. And the reason why is because in M&A, they use it to value target companies as part of a bidding process. 
Now, many of you perhaps have heard of price to earnings ratio from school, finance school. And that's used when you are referring to publicly quoted companies' share prices. But in private company sales, the multiple that is used most often is a multiple that's referred to as the EBITDA multiple. Now, EBITDA is, a, is an acronym. It's a valuation jargon that we use. And what it stands for is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And the reason why it's, it's pretty much a more popular multiple that is used or commonly used is because it's considered to be the most closest approximation to what a company can generate in ongoing, and hear me carefully, ongoing cash flows. A number of you probably are used to hearing me say, you grow your revenue line, you grow your business, you grow your multiple, but ultimately you grow your cash flow. That's the key. You want to grow your cash flow. And that's what you utilize the EBITDA for to come up with that approximation as far as what your company can do is generating your overall cash flow. So if we go back to M&A, what does that do? It offers a business, um, offers, offers that people are making for a particular business will often phrase as a multiple, right? So for an example, at eight times multiple value of business at twice of a four times multiple. And so it's basically not hard to understand that along with improving your EBITDA, increasing your multiple have dramatic impact on your valuation of your business. And like I said, I think it's important for us to dedicate an episode just on how you can increase your EBITDA. But for today, again, let's focus on just those pitfalls. Because managers, as well as financial uh, practitioners, should always think twice about the multiples that you are using. Because multiples are used properly and the correct peer groups are selected. When you when you use them properly and you select the right peer groups, I should say, they can provide a quick estimation. It serves as a reality check against um, a, a traditional DCF or, or, let me rephrase that, a discounted cash flow model. But investments or financial decisions should never, and I know you shouldn't say it, never, but they should never be made based primarily, let alone solely, on just utilizing that particular multiple. Because in some cases, multiples can be particularly misleading. And for this episode, I wanna walk you through four situations where multiples can provide an incomplete or a distorted picture. The first one is when you look at shocks that take place in the marketplace. So when there's a shock that takes place in the marketplace, or better yet, if the markets or the economies, right, they're calm and steady and they hold that position over time, it's easy to compare multiples. Because each 12 or 24-month or earnings forecast is essentially a prediction of the company's earnings over a very long horizon. But during short periods where there's a lot of volatility, there's shocks in the market, there's change in the current 12-month forward multiples can lead to a bad or inaccurate result. So that short term, what it does is it tells an investor, it tells the managers, it tells the board of directors, or anyone else has something to do with that particular company, it tells them little about what cash flows will be after that broad turbulence period has passed. So likewise, like any other future comparison between how a company performed during a crisis and how it consistently earnings appeared after a crisis can be wildly inept. And just based on that, I'm pretty sure a number of you started thinking COVID-19, right? So let's go back to 2020, where market reactions during that initial phase of the pandemic 
provide it as a case point. So if you consider what those multiples were, and let's just use an industry in the biotech, biotech industry, right? It's a biotech company. Months leading up to the pandemic, the company's forward earning uh, EBITDA expectations were essentially negative in that particular space. So when the worldwide health crisis became evident, that company shifted toward developing vaccines. We were all excited about the vaccines. Investors applauded it. Um, governments were on television. They were all talking about it. And essentially, it was sending that company's two-year enterprise value multiple to over 33 times their EBITDA. Now, over the following months, however, Analysts basically caught up and adjusted their forecast because the company's enterprise value over EBITDA multiple fell and then flattened out to between to where it fell between four to seven times the consensus earnings. The question is, why did something like that happen? It happened because the pandemic's economic effects, of course, were not just limited to just single companies. So when the vaccine came out and everything settled, Visualize this with other companies as well, because it affects the entire, it, it, sometimes it doesn't affect just single companies that affect the entire industry. And the example I want to give to you is in the airlines. So airlines earnings decline significantly. And as a result, earnings multiples for all major airlines expanded. And why is because their enterprise value incorporates cash flow during a during and well after a crisis has passed. So when the pandemic first hit, the airline's earnings denominator shrank much more than its enterprise value numerator. So when travel resumed a little over a year after the pandemic, the multiples quickly corrected to historical levels. Now, if we were to take a look back and consider an airline historical multiples during the first year or so before the pandemic, that period would stand out as an aberration. And conducting a multiple analysis during the those particular times divided what I refer to as massive errors, minor differences and small earnings estimates that led to wide disruption of one-off multiples. So that's the reason why it's extremely important to understand there's the, the changes that can happen with multiples during shocks in, in, a, in, in, a, in the economy or into the marketplace. Another is to take a look at is heavy investments into a company. Multiples also get distorted when companies incur very large capital expenditures within a very short span. And we all go through this. And if you think about it, it kind of sounds counterintuitive since capital expenditures are not explicitly included in a typical multiple. However, consider the following example. Let's take two companies, Company A and Company B, okay? Let's say Company A is a manufacturing company, and it just completed a, a major te technology upgrade. But then you have your competitor out there, Company B, which we've identified. They'll also begin investing tomorrow and continue investing over the next two years for that exact same technology. Now, since the cost of the upgrade is known, and all else being equal, Company B observed net enterprise value, which means enterprise before the excess cash, it will be lower by the present value of the upgraded cost. Now, <clears throat> consequently, observe that that enterprise value, even a multiple, essentially will shrink, even though the two manufacturing companies will have the same capabilities to generate cash flows in the long term.
Now, the lower multiple doesn't mean a lower growth, but you as an analyst, you as a business owner, you as a board, it would be impossible to know that unless someone were to take a closer look into the overall business. And the differences between the current state and the future state are particularly acute for startup companies or fine tech companies, if you really want to take a look at it, right? Because they have what I refer to as very high growth expectations and mostly negative near-term, I mean, near-term earnings. So with those particular type of challenges and expansion of the scaling up, those multiples won't be a, a useful way of comparing early stage companies with peers that are only a few years older. So in my opinion, for those that are in that industry or startup companies in general, the best approach for assessing high growth companies is to go back to your DCF models, your discounted cash flow basis, using a, a probability weighted scenarios to arrive at a value of today. The next bullet point or third one is is M&A. And I, and I know that you're all sitting on the edge of your seats to hear about what's going on in M&A because that's a huge component of what we do here at OPG is, is valuation of our M&A. So it's important for us to kind of talk about this right now. So here's the bigger picture. When a company announces an acquisition, its market value should be reflected in its own value, plus any synergies, right? Net of the premium uh, being paid for that target. So after pricing in the possibility that, possibility that that particular deal will not even close. Now, even when a deal closes and uncertainty is effectively reduced to zero, those forward multiples will likely still not be adequately reflected in the analyst forecast. You follow me on this? Because many of those analysts do not even adjust those numbers reported in the typical data aggregators until after the closing. And what does that do? It creates a distorted multiple. What I like to refer to as, as a distorted mechanical multiple. And this is especially the case for deals with long time lags between announcements and the closing, because there are no deals that I shouldn't say there are no deals, but majority of the deals do not take place over the weekend. <laughs> it takes time for those things to happen. So oftentimes you get a distorted multiple. Now, for deals in which a target earnings and historical financials are publicly available, which are rare, obviously, for private companies, but if they are, we recommend always double checking that particular multiple. And it's, it's it's a very simple process to do this. You combine the whoever the acquires expected earnings with those of the target and make a rough forecast to start. And then you can refine your analysis from there based on the changes of the EBITDA that one could reasonably expect. The last point that I would like to go over is changes in your strategy or changes to your business model. You see, companies that announce a new growth or, or a portfolio strategy that shift their business mix, typically see some change in, in their overall market expectations. However, given the disconnect between what I refer to as your current profitability and your short-term expectations compared with uh, the company is headed over the long time term, uh, long, longer time period, that enterprise value multiple may not fully represent the company's long-term trajectory. So just to walk you through an example here, let's just say 2015 to 2018, you have a industrial company or any particular type of company that's traded at a enterprise value multiple of say 10 to 12 times a two-year forward EBITDA. 
in 2019, the company began to expand into a new technology and or or yeah, just to say a new technology. Keep it simple, right? They began to expand into a new technology. Yet it took a full decade for that company to fully transition and its underlying multiple over that 10-year period of 16 to 20 times earnings to reflect the profitability of its new business model. Now, since the market hadn't fully grasped how that company was changing, it also failed to appreciate which companies were its peers. So remember I said about multiples. Multiples is about taking your company and comparing it against companies in your industry, essentially finding your peers. But if you change your model and you were already based in one particular group, are you, are you still in that same group? And that's where that disconnect comes in. So it essentially did not take into effect the profitability of your particular business model. It didn't look at the companies where you've changed now. They kept you in that same area where they originally looked at you and your peers. So any pair comparison based on its on your 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 earlier model when you first started in 2015 would have been a poor predictor of your company. That's why it's always best to use different multiples for each business segment, particularly when a corporation is changing its business. And again, what's the thing that you need to do? You need to know a little more about that particular industry. You can't just say privately held companies trade at this particular multiple over uh, EBITDA because you need to know a little bit more about that overall business. And by the way, by the way, market misses are particularly likely when a company moves or more sharply away from its longtime core business. Okay, That happens quite often with privately held companies because a new business model has different fundamentals. A point-time model um, won't give a full picture of your overall business underlying economics for the long term. So the more a company changes its, its business mix, the wider its multiples may appear. So even in the age of large databases, and of course, and of course, AI, because I know a lot of you are utilizing AI now. Practitioners need to look at a company's details, their economic circumstances, and the facts on the ground, boots on the ground, to correctly apply those particular multiples. Something that my father used to always say, common sense and a little legwork go a long way. That was true then, and it's very true right now. So Using properly, multiples can be an effective supplemental tool, right? The, the traditional enterprise value multiples can provide a, a, a complete picture, but it also can provide an incomplete picture or distorted results during those four factors that I mentioned. Industry shocks, heavy investment, capital infusion into the company, M&A, changes in the M&A, understanding how long it takes to make those transactions, or more importantly, when a business changes their model. That happens a great deal with privately held companies. And in those cases, it's always, it's always best to think twice about multiples. And sometimes even more than that, because when it comes to multiples, two plus two does not always equal four. This is Stephen White, managing partner of Onyx Partners Group, and this is our podcast, Business Valuation Real Talk. 
Before I close out this podcast today, I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to discuss our firm, Onyx Partners Group, or for many of you who are familiar with us, refer to us as OPG. Essentially, what we are is a premier middle market business valuation firm, and our focus is to provide valuation services as an independent provider. We cover a variety of different areas focusing on mergers and acquisition, uh, buy-sell agreements, startup valuations. We work with ESOPs, family-owned offices, and we do some litigation as well. But essentially, our podcast, which I'm very thankful for you listening today, they're designed to offer assistance and some education in our overall space. But if the need ever arises and you find yourself wanting to know more than what we've just kind of given a 30,000 view of any of our podcasts and you wanted to know more about the value of your business, we will, and, or if you would like to grow your business, we have expert valuators here to assist. So essentially what we're asking is if you like what you're hearing, pass it on, share it with a friend and spread the word about our podcast, Business Valuation Real Talk. Now, in closing, thank you all for your attention today. And as I always like to say, it's better to know what you don't know than to not know at all. Have a great day.